Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. We're finishing out Joshua chapter 6, the fall of Jericho. We've already looked at the Lord's commands to the people, how they were to circle the city once a day for six days, seven times on the seventh day. We saw Joshua's commands that he was to give uh, to the people as to what they could and couldn't take, uh, the, the sounding of the trumpets, the shouting of the people, and the collapse of the walls. And last time I commented on some of the archaeology uh, concerning the dating of the fall of Jericho. And I just want to say one additional word about the uh, archaeology that's presented at Jericho. Jericho is a very significant city. We'll see this in our passage today. It was only one of, of three cities that Joshua burned, specifically written in the book of Joshua. That is important because uh, in order to help us date the time of the conquest, we would look for physical evidence of destruction by fire at Jericho among these other uh, several sites. And so uh, that's why you can understand such a battle has taken place over the archaeology of Jericho and the importance of the timing of its destruction and walls. And there are ideologies that play into this. Some people who are very opposed to the biblical text as historical and accurate do not want to see the physical evidence lining up with God's word. I think others who are zealous for the word of God and maybe even well-meaning sometimes uh, will go a little bit too far in uh, over-interpreting the evidence uh, to sort of make it line up with uh, what's happening in the word of God. Uh, Both approaches really don't do justice to what is going on in the ground. Uh, Ultimately, as believers in Christ, we do not need to be worried about uh, any kind of physical evidence disproving the Word of God. Why is that? It's because the Word of God is true and ultimately true. Archaeology is an interpretive science. Uh, Even the things that are coming out of the ground, we can misinterpret dating systems, uh, even scientific dating systems like radiocarbon dating are not 100% accurate 100% of the time. There can be difficulties with these dating systems. Pottery topology is the same way. And so we do not need to uh, get all bent out of shape and stressed out at the next archaeologist who says uh, Garstang's dating was wrong and Kenyon's was right, or uh, the dating of, of uh, the book of Joshua and the biblical text is all wrong. Well, people can say whatever they want, but ultimately at the end of the day, the word of the Lord is fixed and stands firm, and the physical evidence, one way or another, will correspond to that. Uh, It may initially seem like there's a discrepancy, but as more evidence is uncovered, uh, I am confident that God's word is always going to be affirmed. Uh, One of the major themes we've seen in the book of Joshua is that God is always faithful to his promises. He's faithful to his word, and his word always stands. It's always 
true. So I finished up last time by saying one thing that everybody agrees on is that these walls at Jericho were destroyed very suddenly and the upper city uh, uh, was taken very, very quickly. In fact, there are some uh, evidences of giant pots of grain with the grain still in the pots that was burned. This is something that would normally during warfare never ever happen. You would not come to and siege a city, allow them to have uh, as much grain and food as they want. In fact, the Egyptians would particularly and specifically come to a city to conquer it right before harvest time so that they had nothing to eat in the city and the siege would last not as long. Uh, here in Jericho, there's great evidence that there was a, an abundance of food in the city, and yet this food was all destroyed by fire. There is burnt grain still in these vessels that had been discovered at the city of Jericho. Uh, so no matter when you want to put the date of the destruction at Jericho, it is evident uh, that this destruction occurred very rapidly and many would say perhaps by an earthquake. Now an earthquake fits very, very well with what's happening in the biblical text. The trumpets are sounding, the people are shouting, the people have walked around the city over and over and over again, and the walls are collapsing. So the miracle that the Lord uses to accomplish the destruction of Jericho could have been a an earthquake that he caused at this time. It could have been something that looks so similar to an earthquake that it's mistaken by archaeologists today for an earthquake. Whatever the case, we know that the Lord caused the destruction of the walls. There was at Jericho evidence of an upper wall in the city and an upper city and then a lower wall and both walls collapsed and likely, um, based on some of the archaeological evidence at the site, likely collapsed to the outside, providing a mud brick ramp for the Israelites to just walk right up into the city and conquer the city. Now notice, we'll go back to verses 21 and 20, 20 and 21 here. So the people shouted, the priests blew the trumpets, and it came about when the people heard the sound of the trumpet that the people shouted with a great shout, and the wall fell down flat so that the people went up into the city every man straight ahead and took the city. So the text seems to indicate the walls fell to the outside, providing sort of a natural ramp for the invading Israelites to just walk right up into the city. Verse 21, and they utterly destroyed everything in the city, both man and woman, young and old, and ox and sheep and donkey with the edge of the sword. Now, sometimes the question is asked, <clears throat> is this just of the Lord? Is he right in destroying perhaps even innocent people in the city of Jericho, children, women, animals. Um, doesn't this seem somewhat barbaric of the Lord? Certainly the wicked Canaanites we wouldn't have as much of a problem with, but what about their, their innocent children? A couple things need to be taken into consideration here. Now we have back way back in Genesis 15, we read this uh, earlier on in our series, the Lord had promised 
to Abram that his people would come back into the land of Canaan and take possession of the land. So the first thing we need to understand is that this land, even though it was currently being occupied by the Canaanites, did not belong to the Canaanites. It belonged to the people of Israel. God had given them the land in the time of Abram, and God is in possession of all property on the earth. He created and owns everything and can distribute it at will to whoever he sees fit. So it really is not the possession of the Canaanites. It belongs to the Israelites. The second thing we need to remember is that in Genesis 15, the Lord had said, the sin of the Amorites is not yet complete. So the Lord had given the people of Canaan, the Amorites, Canaanites, all the people that lived in the land over 400 years uh, time to uh, a sort of a time for them to repent, a time for them to stop acting wickedly. He was being very patient with them over and over again, uh, but their wickedness uh, continued. And so he's using the people of Israel to execute his judgment on the city of Jericho in particular and Canaan in general at this time. So the judgment of the Lord is now coming on the people, including their women and their children. Now, again, we have a hard time with this, but I think there are a couple additional things theologically that are helpful for us to remember. And first of all, the first thing is that there really are no innocent people in the world. The Bible presents very clearly all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Even from the time of our conception in the womb, we are sinful. It's not as if we're, we're born innocent and become sinful. The Bible presents it as every human being inherits the sin of their fathers and ultimately their father, Adam, who sinned against the Lord. So on an ultimate divine level, there are no uh, innocent people, and the punishment that's due because of our sins is death. Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. God is perfectly just and righteous to enact judgment on whomever he wants at any time. The fact that you and I are breathing right now and living at this moment is a demonstration of God's mercy, that he is holding back the judgment that is rightly due against us because of our sin, the punishment that we deserve. The fact that he doesn't instantly execute that demonstrates his justice uh, in, in judgment, in his mercy toward us. So the fact that he is using Israel to enact judgment here is just showing his sovereignty, his righteousness. He had been holding back in his mercy, his judgment for over 400 years on these people. And now he's allowing it to, to go out and go forth through the Israelite conquest. So they shout, the walls fall down. And again, I just want to say that uh, the reason this would be important for walls falling out uh, is that 
the city of Jericho would have been built on a, a natural slope, a natural hill for protection. And oftentimes on those hills, they took stones and surrounded the hill as sort of a, a revetment wall, an area that would be harder for the people to, to climb up. And then, uh, so these walls falling to the outside, uh, the, the top part of the walls, the mud brick area, would fall over down against the revetment wall, creating a little bit of a ramp where there would not have been one previously and allowing the people to have more easy access into the city. If the walls had fallen inward, there still would have been some area that they would have had to climb up maybe 12 or 15 feet to get over the initial revetment part um, and enter into the city. But this way, it sort of allowed for uh, an easy access into the city of Jericho uh, to conquer it. The city of Jericho around the, the circumference, I don't have exact figures, but this would have been a large area that the people were uh, encompassing, encircling every day. And then on the seventh day, seven times, they would have already been tired by this point. And so really, this is ultimately a demonstration that the Lord is going to war for Israel against Jericho, and the Lord is the one doing the uh, invasion, the one conquering the city, causing the walls to fall down, and ultimately the people go up into the city and utterly destroy everything, man, woman, young and old, ox, sheep, donkey, with the edge of the sword. Theologically, some lessons for us to take away, God is just, and he enacts judgment and justice in his time, according to uh, his determination. He can enact judgment on whomever he wants at whatever time he wants, because all have sinned and fallen short of his glory. But the other side of that coin is that God is merciful toward those who fear him. He doesn't desire to execute his judgment instantly. He desires that people would repent and turn back to him. And through the Lord Jesus Christ, we are offered forgiveness uh, from sin. And so we have a beautiful picture here in the book of Joshua of salvation that comes through God's grace. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.